Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today's episode is a continuation of episode 49, where Heath Mulveen and I discuss his adventures this past summer when his boat sank at the dock during Tropical Storm Ida. And there's a couple surprise twists and turns in this episode, so make sure you give it a listen. It's really good. Bela, this is kind of a nail-biter, and it doesn't sound like it's going to end well. But hey, Mike, before we dive into the conversation, I want to ask you a question. So what do you think about our logo? Well, Bela, our logo, hmm. Do you really want my German-style very direct feedback, or maybe not? Uh, Yeah, yeah, lay it on me, Mike. Give me the direct feedback German style. Mm, I think it looks very amateurish. And I think it could be a lot better. Excellent. You know, I feel the same thing. And you know why it's amateurish? Why? Because I did it. (laughs) It was a a picture that I took and I just put some lettering on it and uh, name of the podcast. And that was it. And I clearly do not have any graphic design skills. After all, I'm an engineer and those two things typically don't go together. Uh, So I was thinking it'd be a good idea to sort of get a better looking logo. And uh, I was hoping that maybe some of our listeners uh, have some graphic design skills, or maybe they know of someone uh, who has some good graphic design skills, and they could recommend them to us. So we'd really like to try to get a new logo. We'd love to have a listener or someone that a listener recommends be involved in that process. So, you know, reach out to us. Uh, our email is sailing the east. That's all one word, sailing the east at gmail.com. And uh, let's see if we can get a new, more inspiring logo designed. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, sounds good, Bailey. I hope I didn't offend you with my very direct feedback. But um, yeah, getting a little listener help with this. And we got a little bit of a budget, right? So we can maybe uh, uh, work out a deal, huh? Yeah, we sure can. Yep. Willing to throw some some money at it. Yep. So, all right. But I think let's get right to it and let's let the story play out. So one thing I don't understand is if if you're tied up at the dock, how can the boat go turtle? Don't the dock line sort of prevent it it from rolling? Or am I missing something? So, right, that's a great question. So the the boat, while still tied up to the dock, was it fully turtled? No, it was probably like... You know, if, if it would have been 180 degrees, it was probably 150. Oh, I see. So okay. it was still hanging, but Got it. but you know, it, it it certainly was was upside down. Got it. Got it. Um, more of the boat was upside down than right side up. Okay. Fortunately, where my boat was was a deep water dock, which 
benefited us hugely that the t-top wasn't crushed sure. or really bent or anything like that yeah yeah so now you have the <clears throat> now you have the boat out of the water uh and then uh what hap- what happens next so i had to collect all my cushions because as the boat came up all the cushions <laughs> went everywhere right uh, so i collected all the cushions and i'll tell you wet cushions are heavy <laughs> so pulled them out of the water a little bit at a time and kind of let the water drain um and then uh, I just gave a quick pressure wash to the boat. The yard, the yard took care of that. Gave a quick wash down, uh, and the boat. I'll tell you, Bella, it looked brand new. You'd never know it sunk. Wow, looked perfect, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, so boat comes out of the water. Uh, we loaded onto the trailer. It's sitting on the trailer. We pressure washed it, and I, you know took pictures for the insurance to let them know. And I sent those pictures off to CETO just to show they have to show that the, to ensure they get paid, of course, they need to show that the boat came out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was easier to have because they brought that big boat. It wouldn't have worked for them to hip toe me over to the launch ramp, which is why the, the Marina had to do it. Um, so, but they needed those photos. So I took photos, sent them off. Insurance called me the next day and said, so what's the plan? And I said, what's the plan? <laughs> uh, the plan is, is you're going to send an adjuster, I hope, and tell me what, what, what the date, what the deal is. Do I <laughs> yeah. need to fix it? Yeah. Or is it totaled? Um, and, and, and I made some mistakes, Bella. Um, I made, I made some mistakes to be, to be honest. I probably wasn't insured for enough. Mm. Uh, I didn't look at market value. I said to myself, my boat's in 1984. It is what it is. Yeah, it's got new electronics, and yes, it's painted, and it's in great condition. The cushions are new, and yeah, yeah it's had a bit of a refit, but but the reality is, is that I probably wasn't insured for what I could sell the boat for. Yeah. And and um, recently, as as we all know in the marine industry, since COVID hit, prices have gone up on used boats. And that's what I didn't account for, right? Yeah. My boat probably doubled in value. So for round numbers, let's say I had the boat insured for twenty thousand. It should have been insured for forty. Yeah, you know that's interesting because uh, when I got my boat insurance, and I've had boat insurance now several times. You usually there's a fixed amount, right? I mean, you say I'm insuring the boat for X dollars and that's what they're going to pay. Unlike oftentimes right. on home insurance, you can get replacement caught, right? So you get sort yeah. of, okay, it's a 2,800 square foot house, you know, blah, blah, blah. They'll pay the replacement cost where uh, even for the contents as well. But it seems like I don't remember coming across a policy like that in the marine industry. I, I just sort of recall. Yeah, so I'll explain my policy a little bit. Just yeah. side note, um, when you turn to the right, it breaks up. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, uh, side note, uh, policies, right? So my policy, I was insured again. I'll just use round numbers. Let's say I was insured for $20,000. Yeah. That, that included the boat, the motor, and one thing later that I'll talk to you about which just figure boat, motor, electronics. That's what I thought, okay? 
uh, and they they did total it. Just the adjuster came out and they did total the boat. So just so we have that yeah. information. Yeah. Uh, on larger boats, well, so so my boat again, boat motor electronics all under one one policy, uh, and and that that agreed value was what I worked off of was an agreed value policy. Yes. Uh, and. So not replacement value, agreed value. And no depreciation, which you pay a little bit more for agreed versus the depreciated value. In this scenario, perhaps it would have been an appreciated value, not depreciated, but it is what it is. Uh, The one thing that's not covered in that, that I thought I had separate insurance for, is the trailer. And a trailer for this boat retail cost is about right now, probably around $6,500. Yeah. When I bought the trailer, it wasn't worth that. But because of the limitations of production and metal being so much more expensive, steel's gone through the roof. Uh, trailers are, are, are very expensive and they've become kind of a commodity because they're hard to get. So uh, this trailer was only. I think four years old, which in trailer life, that's like brand new. Um, so this trailer is in very good condition. And what I came to find was that it wasn't a separate product. Uh, it, that was wrapped into that $20,000 number, let's say. Yeah. So I, I was probably pretty underinsured at this point uh, now that I know what I know. Right. And shame on me. Um, So is what you're saying? I I probably should have done a bit more research on this. So is what you're saying is if they total the boat, they're also totaling the trailer. So they're taking that away from you as well? Yeah, it's one package, one bundle. Ah, okay. Even though the trailer's nothing wrong with it. Bingo. Right? Right. So it's rolled into that. It's rolled into the total. Right. It's not like you get to keep the trailer. Yeah. Uh, right. So that was it. So, so you, you, you might not get to keep, you wouldn't get to keep the trailer. Right. right? So if they total it, technically it's theirs. They paid for it and they own it now. Um, so boats now back at my house, it took a month for the adjuster to come just because he was so busy. We lost roads, literally roads went, went away yeah. in Portsmouth from this nine inches of rain. Uh, cars got flooded. Lots of cars. I know, I have at least four friends on the island that lost their vehicles during this flood. Um, they're in a worse position than me, trust me, because they can't get a new vehicle right uh, right now. So uh, the boat, I, I had some decisions to make now. Boat sitting next to my house, looks great. Uh, the one thing I did request when the boat came out of the water, I asked the insurance company, do you pickle the engine? Now, weird name for it i don't know why they call it pickling i'm sure there's some you know 1800s reason as to why they call it pickling right preserve things uh, basically what that is 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 get all the water out of the engine and get it running you know make sure that it's running run oil and fuel through it so that everything gets lubricated again because salt water is going to corrode and on the inside of an engine that's not a good thing uh fortunately i have a very good mechanic uh, Tony Marine down in Middletown, Rhode Island. They're phenomenal, and they're they're friends. 
they brought the boat in. They said, bring it to me on Saturday, no problem. Now, again, boat came out on Thursday, so it sat for two days. They said, Heath, it's not a problem. There's water in the engine, and it's the air that's going to cause the problem. So as long as there's water in the engine, you're fine. Okay. Brought the engine to them. They took off all the electrical components. Uh, it looked like uh, they were doing brain surgery. There were wires going everywhere to to get this engine to run. Yeah. So now and at, within an hour, at, at within this, an hour, they had the engine running. So now at this point, does the insurance company own the boat or do you still own the boat or wh where are you sort of in that negotiation process? So at this point in time, the adjuster hadn't been to my house. I got a little out of order here. The adjuster had not been to the house. The boat had just been hauled out of the water and I gained approval to go get this engine pickled. And so I made an appointment and Saturday morning they said, we'll do it. No problem. I'll take care of you. Um, and that there's a cost to that. So I called the adjuster again and said, or the, there's the adjuster and then there's the, the claim specialist called the claim specialist and said, Hey, uh, I'm going to go do this. Do I have approval? And they said, absolutely. You're trying to preserve our asset. And I said, that's great. Let me back up with, with this insurance adjuster. I said, or um, I'm sorry, the, the agent. I said, let me back up and make sure this doesn't come out of my claim money, right? The value of the boat, you know, you're not, I'm not going to pay $3,000 out of this, whatever, $20,000 number to get there. And they said, nope, not a problem. Me being me said, perfect. Send that to me. Email me that, please. I want it in writing. So they did. Um, and 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 I went off and, and got it done. Got so it. now now the boat's back at my house. Engine's running. Engine. I'm sorry. Engine can run. Uh, and and that's where we're at now. Now a week and a half later, the adjuster shows up. During that time, there was oil all in the boat. Uh, it was filthy. I pulled all of my personal belongings off. There were dead fish in the boat. <laughs> there probably still are little minnows and, and other stuff that just ended up coming up with the boat. Sure. And, and stuck on the deck. Sure. Um, and so I, I did what I could just to not have this smelly, gross boat next to my house. The boat was cleaned, and, and they said that was okay. So adjuster comes and like I said earlier, uh, they totaled the boat out and said, well, we own it. And I said, well, I, I'd like to reserve the right to buy it back. How does that work? Uh, and they said, well, what we do is we, we get a, we have a salvage company that, that, that moves these boats. And they'll sell them to other dealers that want to restore these boats. And like I said, my boat was one of those boats that they could do well with. So I, I said, get me a value and, and we'll go from there. So they total the boat out. Three days later, a check arrives. Part of the agreement was, well, how much do I owe you to own the boat, to buy the boat back? And because I was underinsured, in my opinion... I really had no choice but to buy the boat back. Uh, and, and it cost me, again, round numbers. I don't remember the exact number, but call it $2,000 to buy the boat back. So what do I get? 
in buying the boat back, I get the trailer back. Yeah. I got the boat, the hull, I got the motor and all the electronics that are ruined. Uh, so you get everything that you owned on the boat back. That part of it, um, was no problem. They just take it out of the total. Yeah. So the next day, uh, $18,000 is in my bank account. Yeah. Literally that fast. Wow. It was very, very simple. Yeah. Um, there was no back and forth. There was n- no issues. So now the boat sits next to my house. I've since pulled the motor off of it. Uh, it's wrapped for winter and I have to make a decision. What am I going to do? So I did some research. I reached out to my, my people in the industry and I said, uh, well, what's it going to cost me to get this thing back to, to, you know, back to operating, sure. operating levels. And do you guys have a, a used motor or rebuilt motor? Uh, what do I do? And, you know, fortunately for me, I've got very close contacts in the industry that were able to help and guide me. They've been through this before. They've done it for customers. They know what's going to be. I've got boat builder friends, all of the above. Now, I've given you numbers as to how expensive these boats can sell for when they're fully restored. Yeah. To get my boat to go from the position it was in to fully restored is about $60,000, which is cheap when you consider that you're going to have a new boat. Or inexpensive, I'd say. Not cheap, because nothing about it is cheap. <laughs> Everything they do is going to be handcrafted and very, very cool. That's right. There's nothing that's uh, cheap in the marine industry. I don't have $60,000, Bella. So uh, the boat's n- not going to be redone professionally. So I needed to figure out what am I going to do. Like I said, reached out to some contacts. Uh, w- one customer owns Freedom Boat Company. One friend owns Freedom Boat Company. And he said, well, I can sell you a motor for... X amount of dollars. Yeah. Well, this is a Freedom Boat Club motor, which eh, nothing against Freedom Boat Club. It's a, a Honda outboard, 225 yeah. horsepower, four stroke, great engine. It's actually the engine out of a Honda Odyssey turned on its side and set up for Marine. Yeah. That's that's what this engine would be. So you had <clears throat> you had your motor pickled so it ran, but all the electronics on the motor still ruined, right? So so the trade-off is, do I fix my existing motor that's been submerged and because I, I have to redo all of the wiring and electronics, or do I buy a new slash used motor? Right. So, right. So in talking to my mechanic, basically the pickling, uh, because they have to put all these new electronics on, uh, he wrote an estimate up. It was like $8,000. And I was able to get it. I could get a motor for twelve, let's say. Got it you know, a used four stroke motor with about a thousand hours on it, which it's high, but it's not insane. Oh, and Honda motors, by the way, have a five year warranty. These motors were only two to three years old. So there would have been at least two years of warranty on them. Yeah. But they were, you know, they're from a charter fleet, more or less, uh, new, new to boating people or people who were retired and wanted to jump on a boat. They pay a membership fee. They take the boat out. These are boats. I see them running around, uh, you know, full throttle all the time. Um, a lot of back and forth in and out of gear because they're, they're new to boating and their maneuverability is yeah. you know, not as good. Uh, 
it might not be the best motor for me to buy. Right. Right. Um, I also talked to my mechanic about a rebuilt version of my motor. So my motor is, it was a Yamaha, uh, 225 OX 66, which is a two stroke Yamaha. These motors, as long as you change the spark plugs and filters will literally run forever. Unless of course you put them in the ocean and then, then they don't run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're, they're great, great engines. Uh, and I could buy one for about $15,000, 15 to $18,000. If I was to buy a new outboard, a new Yamaha four stroke, beautiful, quiet engine, fuel efficient, uh, it would cost me $30,000 and that's not happening. Sure. Right. Right. (laughs) So I was, I was kind of weighing out my options, right? Um, all the electronics need to be replaced. That's three to $5,000. Uh, I have radar and a chart plotter and a depth sounder and a big screen and VHF radio and stereo. All that's got to get replaced. Yeah. Well, you have, uh, you have $17,000 or so to sort of help fund, right? This, right. this rebuild. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And I'm fortunate because I can do most of it. Yeah, uh, I can do all of it. Uh, you know, the only thing I would really want help with is the installation of the motor and rigging of the motor. That's that's what I would need somebody to do. The rest, easy. Yeah, it's pulling some wires. It's you know uh, installing electronics, which I did already. I, I actually replaced all the electronics. Uh, well, <laughs> this is the sad part, Bella. This year. <laughs> The beginning of the season, yeah. new multi-function display and, and everything. Yeah. So um, that's the unfortunate part. Um, so, but it's still sitting next to the house and uh, I, I'm doing these calculations and I kind of, you know, low estimate, eighteen to $20,000 to get it done. Now, the thing that I didn't think of in this number, now I, I know we spoke quickly about the engine, right? So let's say an engine's gonna be 15,000 and wire and, and new components is, um, you know, new the electronics package as a whole, let's say, is three to 5,000. So now you're, you're kind of at 20 right now. Yeah. Uh, you still need a trim tab motor. Uh, the, the pump for the hydraulic fluid for my trim tabs. Uh, you still need battery switches, new batteries. But the hidden gem of money is what do you do with water in your fuel? And how do you get rid of that? So how do you do that? Uh, you can borrow a drum from your buddy uh, at the marinas and pump off this fuel with a special pneumatic pump because of course you can't use an electric pump right, with fuel. Right. That's a quick way to blow yourself up. Um, I'm sure they do it down in the South that way. I personally try not to do that. Um, so, so I, I, and friends said to me, you know, we, we have a, a pump to transfer fuel. You can borrow it and you can put it in a drum and then you got to dispose of the drum. Uh, you can call a company like uh, 
a fuel disposal or waste oil disposal company. In the end, that's a $2,000 cost. Wow. And that's something no one ever thinks of, right? I, you know, what would you think, right? Yeah. Uh, If I was on a farm, I would probably let the boat sit. Fuel is lighter than water. Water would separate out. Yeah. And I would pump off most of the fuel and run it in a yard track. Well, not a yard tractor, like a a truck from the farm uh, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Small engines don't typically do well with fuel that may have water in it, right? But a a car can actually do pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, I don't don't work on a farm and I don't have a truck to just run it through. uh, And I'm afraid of messing up my vehicle. So that's not happening. Um, So now all of a sudden you're at this like 20... Two thousand dollars, and you're you're sitting here going, I, I, I don't know, what do I do? Um, so, the one thing about boats, it's always going to cost more than you think. With any contacts you have, it's always going to, and it doesn't matter. It's it. So figure another ten to fifteen percent on top of whatever you think. Now we're we're pushing this thirty thousand dollar level, and remember, I only. I only had $18,000, let's say, you know, again, these aren't the real numbers, right. but let's say I only had $18,000 left to, to pay in. And I wasn't willing to put another $12,000 into this boat that I've owned since, God, I think I bought this boat uh, 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, we're a family of six. This is a 23-foot boat. Maybe there's another boat that we should be buying. Maybe, maybe, maybe we take a couple of years off yeah. from boating. Uh, what I'll tell you is this is a very, very unique time to own a boat and a very unique time to not own a boat. Uh, if you own a boat, you've got a boat that's appreciated in value. Never happens. Yes. Right? Yes. If you don't own a boat, you are buying a boat at the absolute height of the market. New boat sales. If you want to buy a new boat, it's here's the price. You can take it or leave it. And by the way, the boat won't be available to 2024. And that's where we're at. Yeah. Uh, if you want a used boat, all of the good used boats are going for top, top dollar. And the not so good used boats are selling for way more than they should be. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm in a rock and a hard place. I could put the $22,000 into the boat and probably sell my boat the day after it's done for 30, 35 maybe. Or because this boat's one of these uh, classic boats, uh, you know, Matan would call it a classic beauty. Uh, it's prime for restoration and I'm on forums and different groups regarding sea crafts and they're selling for a good, a good value. Yeah. They're selling, they're selling for a decent value without a motor in horrible condition that need everything new and a paint job and fiberglass work, et cetera, et cetera. So as my boat sits, you know, I'll probably just, as, as as much as my family, my children, my wife don't want me to, I think the smart thing, the prudent thing right now is going to be sell it, 
as it is. And if I can get another $10,000, $12,000 with the trailer, of course, and you figure the trailer is worth four or five, the right. boat's worth eight, <laughs> right. 10, uh, just sell it as is and let somebody else have a project. Uh, that may be the best scenario for us right now. And because of this unique uptick in value of boats, we know that we're going to hit a ceiling and it's going to fall out. It's coming. Uh, once this COVID error kind of gets past us and people start traveling again, you know, everybody right now that, that takes a $20,000 vacation budget, put a down payment in and bought a boat or an RV. Right. Everybody. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that's why there's this funnel sucking all this 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 supply out um or vacuum i should say uh i think i predict two to three years we're gonna see a lot of used boats on the market that are in really really good shape selling for less than they're worth yeah yeah that's my prediction and uh i'm gonna roll the dice i think yeah okay so, you know, we've been talking almost an hour now, so I want to start wrapping this up. Uh, so what words of advice would you give to a boat owner, you know, who, who might go through an experience like this? I mean, you talked about two things. You sort of talked about the fuel. That's the hidden thing that no one thinks about. That's going to be a bill. And that's something you can't really do, right? you got to mm -hmm. hire somebody to dispose of the, the, the spoiled fuel. Uh, and then the notion of being underinsured. Right. So you have an agreed to value for the boat and you got to be careful because that agreed to value um, may be low. Uh, what other any other words of advice or wisdom you have from this experience? Yeah. Uh, you know, watch your weather. If you own a boat, watch the weather and be aware. Um, talk to your friends. If you think there's a chance that it could go sideways. Even if it doesn't, it's always better to be prepared than not much right. like you experienced with your boat. Now, it's a lot of work to do. Yes. My boat, it's pretty easy. A couple lines, no big deal. Tie some stuff down. No no problem. Your boat, bit different. Um, it, you know, take, take that time and do it to save your asset. You know, know where the wind might be coming from and, and try to plan for that. Now, you can't plan for every scenario but I could have done better potentially here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, it wasn't predicted. This was not supposed to be anything. Uh, I think know your insurance and understand what is insured on your boat. Yeah. Um, do you have a rider for fishing equipment that may go overboard and never come up? Uh, your engine, you know, on these larger sport fish and a new engine could be 50 to a hundred thousand dollars or more. Yeah. Uh, if, if the block cracks on that, you need insurance to cover that. Uh, so, so there are separate riders. The, the trailer was something I never really even thought of. I have insurance for the trailer separately, but that is a, accounted for in the total value of the boat, yeah. which I didn't know that. Um, so part of this under insurance was, was the trailer. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, it's a boat they're constantly sinking no matter whether it's a glass boat or a wood boat, these pumps just keep them afloat all the time. <laughs> right. Right. So just, just know that and, and be insured fully and understand your insurance. I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing for me. And the, the learning for me was, was I, I was quick to, to, 
choose insurance uh, at the time. And I stuck with this one company for the last three years. And I probably should have adjusted it knowing that the value was going up. And I didn't. Um, and, and, and that's where we're at. Yeah. You know, and then look at your options. Understand what the market's doing. Look at what boat you have and where you want to go. And I think while this is a, a horrible thing that happened and it's, it's, it's somewhat tragic to the family because the kids, this was like their intro to boating. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of memories. This is going to be a, a segue for us to do something else on the weekends, you know, uh, traveling, hiking, uh, maybe doing something off the water. Uh, you know, the budget for owning a boat, you know, this boat was about $10,000 a year. I now have more money to go spend on a vacation for our family. Right. So maybe we'll get to travel a little bit over the summer. That's different than what we would normally do where we just take the boat up to Lake George. Cause we feel like we have to use it and, and do these adventures that way. So maybe it means that we get to go out West and hike in, in Moab, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but it gives, you know, there's budgetary money that, that was budgeted for the boat that now can be spread somewhere else yeah, or saved, which is even better for me. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's, uh, those are kind of the lessons I learned. I think overall it's a horrible experience and nobody should have to go through it, but if you do just work the process and, and, and believe that it'll, it'll work out. It, it does work out. And while it's negative, there's, there might be some really uh, silver linings that you can pull from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're thinking about it the right way and you're thinking about it from a perspective of, okay, if, if we, if we do sell the boat, then we have time and some, some resources to do other things, explore other things. And and that's always a fun thing to do with the family is try out new things. Yeah. Super. So, hey, Heath, thank you very much for being a, a guest on the show. Uh, another great, great uh, lessons learned here. A lot of good information, just like on your paint episodes. And uh, given, <laughs> the you, length, given the length of this, we'll probably break this into two episodes as well, a part one and a part <laughs> two. So uh, all great stuff, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Yeah, one last thing, Bill. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, we have a 23-foot 20, sea craft for sale. <laughs> it's ready and prime for somebody to take their time and build it the way they want it. All right. Well, we'll make sure, uh, reach out Facebook. Okay. I will, uh, make sure I put that in the show notes as well. But, uh, so like uh, say the boat again, 23 foot sea craft. So it's a, it's a 23 sea craft sport fish. Uh, it doesn't have the motor on it right now, uh, because that it's gone. Uh, so it's, it's ready to, to be customized and built out. However, however, any new owner sees fit. With, uh, and uh, I'll be put it, posting a listing probably uh, in the next week or two. I've just been traveling quite a lot, and I didn't yeah. want to didn't want to post it and then then not be available for sure. for people. And so. that and that's on a, a, a you said like a four or five year old trailer, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's ready to go. Um, but we'll we'll get there when we do. And uh, yeah, hopefully the new owners will really enjoy it. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks again, Heath. It's always, always uh, fun chatting with you and hope to see you up on the slope someday soon. Looking forward to it, Bella. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Wow, Bela, what an interesting finish. Um, you know, that was clearly a bummer for Heath, but you know my philosophy on things like this. Nobody died. Nobody was injured. The financial loss didn't mean his family wouldn't eat. Um, and also sometimes when bad things happen, there's a lot to learn uh, kind of for him and for other people. 
So it was great that Heath was willing to talk about this and share some of these lessons with us. Um, one of the things that I learned about this is that insurance is important. It made me rethink kind of um, my assets as well, that you really have to do your homework and don't make so many assumptions. And it's great to ask questions. Um, know what's included and not included in your policy. Um, the second piece, you know, as somebody who's not really a, a, a sailor or a boater, that everything in the marine world costs more than you think it will. And there's always going to be some surprises. And he clearly had some surprises, even for an expert like Heath, right? This is his his life's work, right? It's his passion. Um, and those surprises uh, that he faced were really interesting for me to learn from. And I hope the listeners felt the same way. Final thoughts on your side, Bela? Yeah, I think there's a couple of really good lessons here. I, I think one of them ab about the the insured value or the agreed to value uh, is, is really important. And, you know, it made me go back and think about my boat and, you know, I got onto Yacht World, which is sort of the place where all boats for sale are listed. And I looked around and the cheapers, you know, prices have gone up because there's uh, shortages and a lot of people have purchased boats in the last uh, two years because of COVID. And my boat is probably worth more now than when I bought it. And uh, I think I'm going to adjust my agreed to value uh, with the insurance company. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of good things here. And, you know, this notion of uh, uh, learning uh, uh, from other people is a good one. And that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. And I think that was one of the great things about having Heath on the show. Uh, not only when we talked about bottom paint and his expertise in that area in the previous times he was a guest, uh, but also here with uh, the trials and tribulations he went through, um, not only with you know, how to get the boat unsunk, which that part seemed to go really smooth. Uh, and it was, was really kind of cool the way he described that. Those, those folks really knew what they were doing. And, uh, but then that's when the saga continued. Okay, now that it's out of the water and on the trailer, now what? Now what are you going to do? And, uh, you know, having the insurance adjuster come out, uh, having him pass judgment on whether it's totaled or not, and then, okay, here's the amount of money you get. See ya. Uh, and then Heath's decision to sort of buy it back, uh, to buy the boat back at salvage value uh, from the insurance company, and uh, and now trying to figure out, okay, now okay, now I got the boat back. I either got to spend a lot of money to fix it up, or do I just sell it as is? And uh, sort of, you know, the things that go through your mind in 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 that uh, saga as well. So yeah, a lot of good nuggets here, a lot of good things uh, to think about. And uh, I thought it was a really good episode. And I really thank Keith for sharing all of that with us and our listeners. Yeah, that was great, Bela. Lots of great nuggets. And yeah, just love the attitude too. Hey, something new for my family, a new approach, new experiences. Everything in life is twists and turns. And again, as long as you know nobody gets hurt and, and everybody's healthy and safe, um, anything's possible moving forward. So yeah, really cool. Thanks for uh, pulling Heath back to do uh, another set of episodes for us and uh hopefully we'll hear more about his new boat and his next adventures in the next couple of years yeah for sure i'll uh i see him a lot skiing so uh we will keep in touch and uh he's my bottom paint guy so as long as i have to paint the bottom of my boat i'm always going to heath for advice so uh, yeah that's a good idea i'll try to get him back uh in another year or so and get sort of an update on uh, what happened to his boat and uh what uh, what he and the family are they still boating or have they decided to do something else? 
Yeah, I mean, that might be neat, too, because I think most of our listeners or all of our listeners are boaters, right? And what happens when you stop being a boater, right? So even if he doesn't buy a new boat, it might be really interesting to hear his reflections on what life is like and what he misses and what he doesn't miss. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thought, Mike. Yeah, I will make a note of that and make sure we do that. What do you think? Should we wrap this up? Sounds good. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you found the conversation today interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting app. Hey, and if you know of someone who'd be a good guest for the show, let us know. We'd love to interview them. So hope to see you out on the water uh, next spring. Uh, The boat's on the hard, it's cold, it's wintertime, and I'm looking forward to spring for sure. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. And oh, from over here in landlocked Munster, Germany, auf Wiedersehen. Mm-hmm.